0: Well, this morning, today, we're going to be continuing a sermon series that we started last week, and it's called Encounters with Jesus. So we're looking at various stories from the Bible where Jesus meets people where they are, where they interact in some way, and where he uh, gives them a sense of God's presence, where he shares the good news with them. And, and then we hopefully can take with us some sense of how God does the same thing with us today today. Through the Holy Spirit and in our own lives. So, we're going to be looking at John chapter 14, where Jesus is meeting with his disciples, the 12. It's the last night of his life. And, you know, it's interesting in, in John's gospel, he talks, <coughs> excuse me, he talks sort of in, a, in a, um, a monologue for five whole chapters in what we call the farewell discourse. So he's saying goodbye to his disciples on that last night of his life. And so we pick up the the conversation or the monologue in chapter 14, verses 1 through 2. Listen now for God's word to you today. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and we'll be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I'll do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I have said these things to you while I am still here with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious God, we pray that you will grant us the eyes to see, the ears to hear, hearts and minds to understand your word and your world as best we can this day. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I think we've all been in circular conversations, right? I mean, these are conversations that just sort of go round and round and round until the, the sort of the whole point of the conversation gets lost because people are returning to the same thing over and over and over again. It's kind of like the old Abbott and Costello sketch, sketch right? Who's on first? Poor Bud Abbott is listening to Costello go on and on about these guys on a baseball team, and it turns out that the guy playing first base has the last name of who? The guy playing second base has the last name of what? And what's the third baseman's name? Anybody? That's wrong, because what is the second baseman's name? I don't know is the third baseman's name, right? Right? It goes on and on like that until poor Bud Abbott is completely confused by all this litany of bizarre names. And so they finally get to the point where he just blurts out, I don't give a darn. To which Luke Costello says, that's the shortstop. All right, so, you know, you have to watch it. I wish we could have shown it again today on our screen. But, you know, that's how it is. And that's the kind of conversation that Jesus and his disciples are in right? Just going on and on and on, returning to the same points over and over again. He goes on and on about the Father is this, the Father that, the Father is in him, the, I'm in the Father and we're in the Father together, until the poor disciple named Philip just throws his hands up and says, I don't give a darn. Not exactly, he doesn't say that, but he tells Jesus, just show us the Father. Show us the Father. Give us something we can see, something we can feel, something we can hold on to for ourselves. I want some experience of God. I want some evidence for God. I want to know where God is, the Father is, and and know where he's taking us. Have you ever felt like that? Just get frustrated in a conversation, frustrated in a sermon, for goodness sake? You don't know where it's going? I've been there. So you've got to hand it to Philip. I mean, he's a guy with some serious chutzpah. I mean, he's talking back to Jesus. He's talking back to the Son of God. Now, that's some chutzpah if you, if you, if you want to find it anywhere. So at this, interestingly enough, kind of fits what we know about Philip, even though he's one of the most obscure of all the disciples. turns out he is the first person in the entire gospel to invite somebody else to come and see Jesus. He's also the one who asked Jesus how on earth he plans to feed 5,000 people with basically no food. He's direct. He's self-assured. He's even kind of cocky. He speaks straight from the horse's mouth with authority, which isn't surprising because the name in Greek, philipos, literally means lover of horses. In fact, he's the only disciple of all of them who has a Greek name. So maybe he comes from, you know, a more cultured, cosmopolitan background than the other disciples, and that gives him kind of an attitude, the attitude that he shows to Jesus. But whoever Philip thinks he is, Jesus almost immediately puts him back in his place. He says, How can you say, show me the Father when the Father's been right here the whole time with you in me? And pretty soon, he's going to be in you too. And that's why I have to go away, Jesus says. And those words stun Philip and all the rest of the disciples. And then to top it off, Jesus says, and when I go, when I go away to the Father, you... That is, all of you, or as my family down south might say, all of y'all, all all of you will do greater works than even I did on this earth. Greater works. And you know, for 2,000 years, we Christians have been trying to figure out what that means. What could Jesus possibly mean by we will do greater works than him? I mean, he walked on water, he turned water into wine, he raise people up from the dead. How on earth can we do anything like that? Those are miracles. How can we do something like that? Well, the answer, maybe not surprisingly, is is both straightforward, like Philip himself, and kind of complicated, which is sort of how Jesus comes across in chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 of the Gospel of John. To get to the heart of it, the first thing to remember is that in this encounter with Jesus, it takes place before he dies and before the resurrection. So it would be impossible for Philip or anybody else to make sense of anything Jesus is talking about. It's not surprising that he doesn't understand Jesus. He doesn't have a clue about what the rest of the story is going to be like, what it's about, what's the punchline, what's the point but here's the thing you and i we know where it's going you and i know where it's going and that's because the gospel was not written for philip it was written for us and for any other person who has followed jesus in the two thousand years since second To understand how we can possibly do greater works than Jesus, we need to get back to what he said right from the beginning of what I was reading, what he said about, I'm going away to prepare a place for you in my father's house. Okay, remember that? You've probably heard those words before. My father's house, there are many dwelling places, or many mansions. In the original Greek, the word for house is oikos, oikos. And it can certainly mean a physical place, a house, but it can also refer to a relationship, to a household, to a family. Oikos is the root of our English word economy. That is how do we work together to build and to sustain a way of life and to grow into the future economy. And that can be a helpful metaphor for what Jesus is talking about here because he tells us that the basic work he wants all of us to do as his disciples. He gives us a new commandment in chapter 13 in John. He says, love one another. Even as he and the Father love one another and they love us, so we are supposed to love one another too. And then he says later on, Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. So God's economy is all about mutual, self-giving love. In Greek, it's agape. You've heard that word before, right? Agape. A universal and conditional love that transcends circumstances and goes beyond emotion to always be seeking what's best for each other, for the other person, whether you see them right in front of you or they're far away. Agape, it's what C.S. Lewis said is a love that expects nothing in return, binds us together as a community with God the Father, with Jesus the Christ and with one another. It builds us up, sustains us, and keeps us growing in our capacity to love. And that leads us to the third aspect of what Jesus is talking about in our passage today. And it's, you know, he's talking about something that's fairly obvious when you think about it. And it's that none of us, not on our own, and certainly not all of us together, none of us is able to practice this kind of love, this agape love, on our own, all the time. We need some help, some serious help. We need some guidance. We need some courage. And we need a whole lot of power. And the good news is we get it. We get it because God sends us the Holy Spirit. In John's gospel, it happens after Jesus is resurrected. He breathes his spirit directly into the nostrils of his disciples. Very physical, very visceral. He breathes on them and into them, and they receive the Holy Spirit that way. Last week was Pentecost, and so Luke tells the story a bit differently in, in Acts. He talks about how Jesus comes back on the day of Pentecost in the Holy Spirit with tongues of fire and allows people to share the gospel in all the languages of the world. So in that sense, the Holy Spirit is the active presence of God with us, who dwells with us and in us, and makes us the body of Christ in this world. Now, for a spirit to truly live, to come alive, it needs a body. A spirit needs a body. That was the understanding that Jesus and any other Jew living at his time in history, would they would have all shared that for a spirit to live, it needs to have a body. Otherwise, it just sort of floats around in the ether, right? Like a ghost, which is why I prefer Holy Spirit to Holy Ghost. But anyway, once a spirit comes upon or enters a body, it can thrive. It can live, it can speak, it can grow, And it can love, just as Jesus loves. And that's how we do greater works than Jesus. Because the truth is, he had just one physical body 2,000 years ago walking around in a place we call Palestine. But we are many. We are many. Scattered all over the world and throughout time. We are many, yet we are one. We are one, empowered by the spirit of the living God. Now, that's the good news of the gospel. I don't think we live it all the time, do we? No. I mean, we might want to, we aspire to do that, but we don't do it all the time. You know, before I became a pastor, uh, I was a hospital chaplain. And I have to say, when I started... I was totally unprepared. I had no idea what to expect, what to say, what to do. I mean, I even had kind of a phobia about hospitals because my dad was a doctor working in a hospital, and I hated visiting him, hated being in hospitals. But there I was, serving as a hospital chaplain. So to get me through that first day on the job, I kept repeating to myself the, the words that Jesus says in Matthew 10, 19 through 20. And Liz Becker, who's a chaplain, might understand this too. Don't worry, Jesus says, about what you will say or how you will say it. The right words will be there, the Spirit of God will supply the words. And I got to say, that became my mantra my first day as a chaplain, and kind of ever since, as I have uh, served as a minister. The spirit supplies the words if my own desire to be in control doesn't get in the way. And then one day, I was doing my rounds, which included the, uh, the ICU at, at the hospital where I was working, and I met a woman named Ellen. Her uh, 28-year-old daughter, Christina, had just had a heart double lung transplant. And she was recovering there in the ICU, 28 years old. Now if anyone lives day to day in a really difficult place, it's a transplant patient and their families. It's unbelievably hard. So the brief time they can spend together is incredibly precious. And since the patients are intubated and sedated, There aren't a lot of words exchanged between the families and the patients, usually during their visits, just, you know, caring looks and gentle touches. So when these family members get back out to the waiting room, right, Liz, they are more than ready to talk a lot of the time. They are more than ready to say what's going on. And that's what Ellen was like. And I got to know her pretty well in the month that her daughter was in and out of the ICU. And what impressed me most about her was that even with her own exhaustion, exhaustion and anxiety, she always asked me, every time I saw her, how the other patients were doing and how their families were doing. And then she and I, we'd pray for them, out loud, right there in the waiting room. And a lot of the time Ellen would introduce me to the new families in the ICU waiting room and, and so there we would be, we'd, she'd invite them to join us and we might have a group of five or six people just gathered around holding hands back in the day when you could hold hands and we'd be in that little waiting room just sharing stories and praying for each other. And you know in that simple act of love and care and courage Instigated by a naturally shy and very scared mom of a very sick daughter. I saw the spirit of the living God at work. We all did. Whether we had words for it or not, we were in the presence getting an indication of grace in a very uncertain place. And I don't need to tell you, that that's where we've all been this last 14, 15 months or so. A very uncertain place. It's been hard. But you know, as hard as it has been for us, imagine what it's been like for people who don't have access to the resources that we have. For example, last spring, we had to cancel our mission trip down to Mexico to build houses for some incredibly vulnerable people. First time that I can remember us canceling that trip. And it was tough on the kids and the adults. Some of you here today are watching online. Yeah, it was tough, really hard. You made plans to go, and and parents and other people gave money. They donated it, you know, spent it on airfare, fees, and whatnot. So the question came up about what to do with that money after we canceled the trip. Would people want a refund? Or was there something else we could do? Well, there was something else we could do. And our youth pastor, Scott Kale, as you might know, asked folks if we could take some of the money that had already been spent on the trip and give it to our mission partners, more Ministries, down there in San Diego and Tijuana. And let them build the houses for us. And that's exactly what they did. So about a dozen people got new houses in Mexico. And this past week at our staff meeting, Scott shared the stories of some of these families. And we're going to share them with you, I think, on our, uh, in the messenger, our newsletter, and on our website too. But let me just share a couple of these stories with you. There's the Hernandez Rubio family. They make $140 a week for a family with Juan Pablo, the father; Norma, the mother; Pablo, the son; Eileen, the daughter; Paula, another a niece; Carla, a niece. Ages range from five to thirteen in this family. There's the Aguirre family, a family of seven who lives on $114 a week, American. There's the Carrillo family, where a single mom makes $70 a week for a family of three. The Reyes Fuentes family, there's no father, no working man in the family. Family of seven people, they live on $66 a week. And there's so many more. So many stories like that. In Mexico in Oakland all over this world you know even if none of us got anywhere near Mexico last spring to build houses each one of those families and more got a house they got a home a place of shelter and sustenance a place to grow into a hopeful future and that's how we do greater works in Jesus not better not more miraculous or eye-catching or earth-shattering. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I can't cure anybody of leprosy. Haven't even tried. But I can join with chaplains and doctors and nurses and healthcare workers and families and friends, all sorts of caring people in hospitals and clinics and vaccination sites in this world to bring healing and hope to millions of hurting people. I can't walk on water either, unless I get some fancy flotation device. But we all can literally cross oceans physically to provide clean drinking water to a family in Malawi or lots of other places. None of us can raise the dead either. But with billions of other Christians throughout, across time and space, we can continue to share and practice the good news of new life in Jesus Christ. So, when Philip says in the Gospel, show us the Father, Jesus' response, as convoluted and repetitive as it can sound, Jesus' response to show us the Father boils down to this. It's not for me to show you the Father, Jesus says. It's for you to receive the Holy Spirit I'm going to send you, and then for you, you, to show that God the Father is alive in you through acts of self-giving love and mercy. Obviously, we don't do it all the time as a church, as individuals, But sometimes, usually when we least expect it, or in really difficult circumstances, sometimes the Spirit breathes into us, and we become the body of Christ on a scale and with a power that is truly more than a miracle, and we do it together in Jesus' name, amen.